We're going to get right into the message this morning because I have a lot to cover. But the message this morning is entitled, Seeking His Face Without the Veil. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful Sabbath morning. Father, your house is full. And if it brings a smile to my face, I know that it brings a smile to your face as well. Father, I know that it warms your heart when your family gets together to worship you, to study the Bible together, to pray together. I believe, Father, that not only are you excited about this event here this morning, but even the heavenly angels are rejoicing. Father, it is my sincere prayer as we get into this morning's message, as we open up your precious word, I pray for the convicting power of your spirit to be in this place. I pray that every word that proceeds out of my mouth, Father, may be not my own words, but maybe words that are perfectly guided by your hands or by, by you. I pray for your Holy Spirit, Father, to move our hearts, to, to help us see where we are weak, so that we may depend upon your strong and mighty arm. And Father, as we talk about seeking your face, I pray that as a result of this morning's message, that when we leave from this place, that we would have a strong urge and desire to want to get to know you more as a friend. That we would strive to to seek after your face every time we wake up in the morning or before we go to bed or just throughout the day. Father, I pray that as we leave from this place, our passion for you would grow. Father, I pray that we would be able to seek your face with no hindrance. That there would be nothing that is before our eyes. But Father, I pray that you would get us to be able to see your glory. Because we know that as we're going to be looking at in this sermon, we know that your glory changes. And so, Father, I pray for every single soul in this room that you would speak to our hearts and that you bless us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In my early stages of ministry, I had a very good friend of mine who is actually going to be getting married next weekend. He's his best man, and I'm looking forward to being able to go to his wedding. But as I was thinking about my friend and some of the early experiences that we've had in ministry, I couldn't help but, be, to, to, but remember a time when I was uh, at La Sierra University with my friend. You see, we were having Bible studies every week. And there was this Bible study that was held every week here on the, on the La Sierra University campus. It was in the library. And young people would just fill this room and, and we would get excited about the truth. We would study the, the Bible together. And I remember this, there was this one particular night, we, we left this Bible study together and we were so excited about, about what we had just learned. That we were just going back and forth, telling each other, oh, you remember this verse? Do you remember when he talked about that idea or that concept? Do you remember that appeal? Do you, do you remember the challenge that he gave to us? And we were just so excited about how, the, the, the study. And we were so excited that as we were walking or at least maybe I was a little more excited than my friend, I turned to my friend, David, and I said, David, we should do something about this. He's like, okay. I said, we should pray. He's like, oh, I'm on board for that, brother. Let's pray. We need to pray for the Holy Spirit. We need to pray that we we do something with the knowledge that we have just received. I said, no, 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 let's just not pray like we usually do. Let's pray for something specific. You know what I asked him to pray for? Or that we, I, I suggested we pray for? I said, let's pray for an angel. Yeah, he, he looked at me just like you guys are looking at me right now. He looked at my face as though I'm crazy. I said, no, David, let, let, let's pray for an angel. You know, let, let's pray that God delivers us a message. 
Just like he delivered messages to various people in the Bible, let's pray for an angel to give us a a particular message. And so David, I guess, responded well, and he's like, okay, brother, let's do it, let's pray. And so we we try to find the, 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 the nicest place that we can pray, and we found these steps it was under these trees. It was just a nice place. And so we, we knelt down there and we started to pray. And I, I started off and I just started to pray to God and say, God, we want to be specific in our prayers. We want to specifically ask that you would send us an angel, that you deliver us a message, that you would encourage us so that we may be more excited about going out there and preaching the truth. And I was praying this prayer with, with earnestness and sincerity. And after I was done, my, my brother started praying and he started praying with earnestness as well. Start asking God, God, show us an angel. I agree with my brother. Let's let, give us a message that we need to hear. We are young. We are excited. Show us what we ought to do. So we prayed. And the moment he said, amen, we look up and there was no angel. <laughs> and I look at my friend and we just kind of look at each other with blank stares. What just happened? You know, God says, if you ask, you shall receive, right? We prayed with earnestness. We prayed just almost on the brink of tears. God, just just give us a message that we need to share with people. There was no angel. And so we got up from that experience a little confused, a little dumbfounded. And we started walking. It was a silent walk. But, you know, as I was walking, it is as though the Spirit was talking in my mind. He was saying, Kurt, you know not what you're praying for. I said, in my mind, I was like, what, what does this all mean? What, what do you mean? I don't know what, not what I'm praying for. And he started enlightening me with passages in scripture. And he was reminding me of experiences where the angel would go before certain individuals, certain individuals like Zechariah or Mary or, or the prophet Daniel or the prophet John. And, and he was reminding me of all those events. And you know what was interesting? Yes, it is true that they all received the beautiful message. Yes, it is true that they were able to be right there with the angel. But you know, in every experience that I had just mentioned here, every time the angel came before the people, do you know what he had to say? He said, fear not. Fear not. Which implies that every time an angel comes before a person, they are always terrified. They are fearful. Many of them fall to the the, the floor because they they do not know what is before them. They are scared. And God was saying to me that, that, that evening, Kurt, you and your friend know not what you're praying for. And I was, I was thinking about that. I was thinking, man, how low have we gotten as, as human beings to where we can't even enjoy the presence of angels right away? How is it possible that, 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 that we who have been created in the image of God, when we see angels, we are fearful of them, we are scared of them, we, 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 we just fall on our, our, our faces flat if we were to experience an angel? How is it that we have gotten so low? You know, I came to a realization, or what was coming to my mind as I was thinking these thoughts, I realized, man, if we are so afraid just to see an angel, what if God were to show himself to us? What if God were to reveal himself to you or me in our own room or in this church? Would, be, would we be ready? Would we be a people that would be so excited? Would we have smiles on our faces to see the great God that we serve? Or will we drop to our knees? Will we fall to the floor terrified. Beloved, I believe that's probably what would happen. That we would all fall flat on our face, scared and terrified. You know, as I was thinking these thoughts, I asked the question, how is it that we can get to a point where we would enjoy the presence of God? How can we get to the point where if God were to to come, we know he's coming, amen? 
We believe that as Seventh-day Adventist Christians that Jesus is coming again the second time. We will see his face if we just hold fast to our faith. But how is it that we can get to that point where we'd be so comfortable to see the face of God? We'd be so comfortable to be in the very presence of angels. I want to unravel this dilemma, this conundrum. Let us turn our Bibles to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. We're going to pick up in a story where the children of Israel have just committed a grievous sin. You see, the children of Israel, as they were waiting for Moses, one day they decided that they wanted to worship a golden calf. You guys recall the story? They worshipped this golden calf. And obviously God did, was not happy with that. He was not pleased with that. And we know that God doesn't want anyone to worship any other God but Him. Amen? And so He was so angry. He was so... He was so... Um, just confused why the children of Israel would, would fall into idolatry like this. And even Moses was angry. Remember Moses, he comes down, he had the Ten Commandments, and he was confused. And do you guys remember what he did with those commandments? He broke them, right? Just confused. Why? And so we're going to pick up the story in Exodus chapter 33, looking at verses 18 to 20, 23. But before I read that passage... I just like to remind you that Moses, there was, when that time happened, Moses was the one who, who decided that he was going to intercede for the people. And if you guys can recall in the story, Moses comes up to God and he says, God, please spare them. Don't let these people fall under your judgment. God, please give them a chance. And do you guys recall what Moses did? Moses said, don't take out their names from the book of life. Blot out my name. Moses had a heart for the people. And he prayed with earnestness, God, give them a second chance. And sure enough, God gave them or responded to his prayer request and gave them that second chance. But I want you to notice what it says in Exodus chapter 33, looking at verses 18 to 23. After Moses asks this request, look what, look what else he asks. Look at verse 18. Exodus chapter 33, verse 18. The Bible reads, And he said, I beseech thee, show me your what." Your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, You cannot see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me. You shall stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cliff of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take my hand, and you shall see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Here we see Moses, after he, he prayed that God would give the Israelites a second chance, here we see Moses comes with another bold request. He asks God, God, will you show me your what? Your glory. In other words, God, will you reveal yourself to me? Can I just look upon your glory? Does God say no? No, God doesn't say no. You see, my friends, God wants to show himself to us as far as possible. God wants to, if possible, show us his face. He told Moses here, you cannot see my face and live, right? You cannot, show, you cannot see my face 
and live. Why, why is that the case? Why is it the case that the human eye, that, that you and I, that we cannot see the face of Jesus? I want you to uh, turn to Isaiah chapter 59. And as you're turning there, Isaiah chapter 59, I would like to remind you that there was a time in the Bible where man and woman had the privilege of being able to see God face to face. Do you guys recall when that was? In the Garden of Eden, right? We know that Adam and Eve, that they had that, that, that that's precious privilege to be able to see Jesus, or see God, be able to see them face to face. They had that precious privilege of being able to, to experience His presence there in that very garden. But we know that that utopia, that perfect place surrounded by perfection, we know that all changed in Genesis chapter 3 because in Genesis chapter 3, they decided that they were going to choose their own path. They're going to choose their own desires and passions over the desires and passions of God. In Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 13, or sorry, Isaiah chapter 59 verses 1 and 2. Are you there, amen? Isaiah chapter 59 verses 1 and 2. This is one of my favorite passages in Scripture, but I want you to notice what it says here. Isaiah the prophet says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. The Bible says here that that God has the capability, he he has the, the, the potential to be able to save you, right? To save us, to save his people. His hand is not shortened, his ear is not heavy. Verse 2, notice what it says. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. So the question that we asked is, why is it the case that man with a naked eye cannot see the face of God? The Bible says here in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, Beloved, God has to hide his face from his people. Why? Because of iniquity. It is because of sin. This is the very thing, the very issue. This is the very, the, the, the very, the reason why God cannot see us face to face, that He cannot spend time with us like He did with Adam and Eve at the garden. But you know, my friends, you know what's beautiful? We were reading in Exodus chapter 33 that when Moses asked God, God, can you show me your glory? Can you show me yourself? Do you know what God says? He doesn't say no. He doesn't say, you know what, Moses, I can't show you my face. I, you know, maybe, maybe later on, maybe sometime when, when things get better, Mo- Moses, I cannot show you. No, no, that's not what he said. You know what God said? He said, Moses, I'm going to show you myself. I may not be able to show you my face, but I'm going to show you what I can. Amen? You know, the Bible says in Jeremiah, chapter 29 and verse 13, it says, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me, with all of your hearts. You see, the Bible says that, beloved, when we seek God, when we seek His face, uh, not with a half heart, but with all of our hearts, the Bible says that we will find God. Amen? You see, my friends, God is not playing hide-and-go-seek with us. You know, when I get the chance to see my nephews back in California, one of the well, favorite games I like to play with them is the whole peekaboo game, Right? You go in front of their face and you put the two hands before you and you reveal your face and they get all excited, they get ecstatic, like, where'd you go? <laughs> where'd you come from? God is not playing peekaboo with us. 
He's not trying to play this game with us. God is not into games. He is a God that wants to show himself to us. But he knows that he can't show his face, but he wants to show you as much as he can. And beloved, what we're going to be looking at here this morning is how seeing a little of Jesus' glory, of God's glory, will eventually lead us to behold all of his glory. Amen? We're going to be looking at that very, uh, very briefly here. But I want us to go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34, looking at verses 5 through 7. Exodus chapter 34, looking at verses 5 through 7. I know I'm kind of get, having you go through different passages of Scripture, but we ought to get used to that as Seventh-day Adventist Christians. We have been called the people of the book. And if we are the people of the book, shouldn't we be looking at the book? Shouldn't we be studying the book? Exodus chapter 34, looking at verses 5 through 7. You see, God, beloved, works with us where we are at. We may not be able to behold all of God's glory because if we were to behold all of God's glory because of our iniquities, because of our sins, we would easily be consumed. So God has to cover himself, but he shows a little bit of his glory at a time to those who are wanting to see his face, to those that want to behold of his glory. Exodus chapter 34, looking at verses 5 through 7. Notice what happens. Actually, before we read that passage, um, in Exodus chapter 34, we won't read it for the sake of time, but God eventually does reveal himself to Moses. Doesn't show him his face. But as we had read, God basically told Moses, Moses, hide behind a rock, that when I pass by, I'm going to cover that, 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 that area we're able to look for just a brief moment, but then I'm going to remove my hand. And when I remove my hand, you're going to be able to see my back. You're going to see my back. Moses, get ready. In Exodus chapter 34, God reveals himself. He passes by Moses, but not just passes by Moses. He also proclaims his name. He proclaims his what, friends? He proclaims his name. You see, there's a connection between the glory of God and the character of God. And Moses, as, 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 as he's waiting to see God, and, and eventually when God passes through, God, he shows the back and he proclaims his name. And in that passage, it talks, it, it talks about how he passes by the Lord, Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children, the third to the fourth generation. I, did, I said I wasn't going to read it, but I had to read it. Because that is the character of God. He wanted to reveal himself to Moses, not just show him how he looked, but he also wanted to show him the character of God. Because that is what is most important. Exodus chapter 34, verses 29 to uh, 35. Let's read. The Bible says, And it came to pass when Moses came down from the Mount Sinai with two tables of testimony in Moses' hand. When he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. Isn't that powerful? I don't know if you guys caught that, because no one is as excited as I am. Moses was there. He was with God. He was communing with him. He was able to have a glimpse of his back, a glimpse of his glory. But you know what was so powerful? As he was talking with God, Moses' face began to shine. It started to shine with the reflection of the very glory of God. And he continues on. Verse 30. The Bible says in verse 30, And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone. They were afraid to come nigh. And Moses called them. And Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him. And Moses talked with them. 
And afterward, all the children of Israel came nigh. And he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken him on Mount Sinai. Until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a what? He put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which he was, that which he was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses and the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. Moses had to do this various times. He would go in the presence of God. His, his face would be illuminated with the glory of God. Come down to the people. But the people could not handle the glory that was on his face. So Moses had to veil his face. Isn't that interesting? Moses had a unique experience with God. But it was not because Moses was this special person that, 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 that God favored him above everyone else. It was not because Moses is different than any one of us. We are, he's just as human, just, just like any one of us, beloved. But you see, Moses sought God. Moses desired God's presence. Moses didn't give in to idolatry. Moses served the one and only true God. And because of his heart's desire for God, because of his heart to want to see the face of God, we see here that God revealed himself to him. And he had a, a shining face. How many of you want a shining face, amen? That is beautiful. And I believe if we can have a shining face as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, when we're walking around campus or you know, working, if we can have that illumined face, that shining face, similar to that of Moses, how attractive the gospel would be to people. Turn your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul actually refers to this story and he talks about what that veil represents. What it represented during his time. And I believe it represents the same thing even during our time. But what is that veil? 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And beloved, if you get there, can you just give me a hearty amen to know that you're awake? Alright, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, looking at verses 12 to 15. You beat me there. So my delayed amen is amen. Here it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, looking at verses 12 to 15. The Bible says, Seeing then we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which was abolished. But their minds were blinded. Their minds were what? They were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their hearts. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. And we're going to read verses 17 18, so don't read that yet. Because that's where the good stuff is. The whole Bible is good, Amen. But verses 17 18 is the key to what we're talking about here. But here in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we find here that, that, that Paul is essentially saying that, that the veil that covered the people from being able to see or behold the, the, the reflected glory on Moses' face, that same veil exists today in his time. How did it exist? See, beloved, these people, the, the chosen people of God, the, the Jewish nation, they had this veil. Why? Because they had preconceived ideas. 
Because when they read through the Old Testament scriptures, even though they had the privilege of the truth, when they were reading through what was truth, they were looking to find what pleased them. They were coming up with their own ideas, their own theology. Instead of looking to understand the righteousness of God, they were seeking the righteousness of man. They were seeking to be self-righteous. And it is because they were reading the Bible in this way that even though the truths were plain and clear that there was going to be a coming Messiah, that Jesus was to be the Savior of the world, even though they read through those truths, those prophecies, these people had a veil on their eyes. They could not understand the truth because of the, 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 the thoughts that they were holding on to because they weren't trying to read the truth for what it is. And so Paul says that that same veil... That, that prevented the Israelites from being able to see a, a glimpse of God's glory in the face of Moses is the same veil that God's people had during his time. And beloved, I would say that that veil is still existing today. It's still in existence today. There are people who are reading the Bible and reading the Bible not for how it reads, not reading the Bible in, in its plain understanding, but they're reading into the Scriptures. They're reading into the Bible with their preconceived ideas. Instead of coming to Jesus with, humble, with humility, instead of wanting to learn at his feet, they're wanting to see what the Bible has to say to please their carnal appetites. Instead of seeking God's face, they're seeking for their own. Beloved, I wonder if there is a veil that is before your eyes. I wonder if there is a veil that is covering your heart from receiving the truth. This veil can be anything. It's not just a preconceived idea. The, the, the veil can be a distraction. Isn't that not true? There can be different things in your life that are preventing you from being able to behold the glory of God. Instead of looking perhaps at the face of Jesus, perhaps you're spending too much time on Facebook or Twitter, social media, watching too many movies on YouTube. I'm not saying those things are wrong, but beloved, perhaps there are certain things in our life that are distracting us from being able to behold the very glory of God. And that, my friends, is dangerous. The reason why I say it's dangerous is because I want you to notice what it says in verses 16 through 18 of that passage. We're getting into the juicy stuff here, so bear with me. The Bible says, Nevertheless, when it shall turn, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. So how can we take away the veil? By simply turning to the Lord. Verse 17, Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Beloved, there is freedom in Jesus. Amen? You can experience freedom and liberty in Jesus if you would just turn to Him. If you would just receive the Spirit of the Lord. Look at verse 18. Why is it dangerous for us to keep that veil before our eyes or before our heart? The Bible says in verse 18, But we all, with open face, Beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Why is it so dangerous, beloved, for us not to see the very glory of God if we just keep that veil ever before us? Beloved, it is dangerous. Why? Because glory changes. And if we are not beholding the glory of God, Guess what? We are not changing. When God created man, he created man special. 
He created humanity special. Why? Because the Bible says that God, when he created man, he created them him after the image of God. That was, that was how man was intended to, to you know, when, when God created man, he, he intended for man to reflect his image, to, to, to represent him. He, he, he created man with the purpose of reflecting his glory, his character. But because of sin, we have come to an all-time low. We are, we are mere dust. We are dirt. We are filthy rags. And beloved, if we do not behold of the glory of God, it may not be his face, but if we just pray, as Moses, Moses he prayed, just, just, just show me your glory. And, and God said, okay, I can't show you my face. I'm going to show you little bits and part. I'm going to show you a part of my glory. That is enough, friends. If we just behold just a little bit of God's glory, the Bible says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, that we can be changed into his image from glory to glory. You may be a sinful human being. You may love the world. You may have a carnal heart. But when you ask God, reveal your glory, little by little as he reveals his glory to you, you will be changed into his image. You will be able to reflect the character of Jesus. So I don't know if there is a veil that is covering your eyes today. I don't know if there is a veil that is covering your heart from being able to behold the glory of God. But I know one thing, God is anxious to spend time with you. God is anxious to reveal himself to you, even if it's small portions or degrees of his glory. Even if you're not ready for his face, he will show you his back. God wants you to see him. You know, it's beautiful. Just a whole story of Moses how God brought him through the wilderness and how he had had worked with him and how he had cultivated this relationship with him. You see, in Exodus chapter 33, it talked about how when God would spend time with Moses, he would have this face-to-face experience with him. Not that Moses was able to see his face, we know that. But God had this face-to-face experience, and just like when you talk with a friend, right? Even though Moses was maybe not able to see his face, his face was still there. He was looking at Moses' face. Moses was looking into, not his face, but, but he knew his face was there. But he had this experience with God, day-to-day experience. He had an exceptional experience that the Israelites didn't have the privilege to have, but they could have had if they just sought Jesus' face like Moses did. But you know what's beautiful? Just looking at the whole story of Moses from coming from from Egypt all the way to the wilderness. Yes, he didn't go into the promised land, but we know the end of Moses' life. In fact, there was no end to his life, right? Because when Moses died, God said, Moses, I cannot see you in that grave. I cannot keep you in that grave. I miss you, my friend. And so instead of leaving Moses there in that grave, you know, the devil came to the picture, by the way, and he was like, hey, what are you doing? You cannot get Moses. You, you, you cannot take him with you. Do you remember the sin he had committed? He rebelled against you. He, he, he disobeyed. This is why he's not going to the promised land. You cannot resurrect him. But God knew that Moses had already repented. God knew that Moses, Moses loved God. He knew that, he, he, that, that Moses' love with him, for him was, was solid, was strong. And because of that, God says, you know, he, he basically calls Moses out of that grave because he misses him. You see, my friends, if we just every day seek the face of God, 
When you wake up in the morning, spend time not in Facebook, but in his word. When you wake up in the morning, you pray. When you wake up in the morning, you commune with him. Beloved, he's going to show glimpses of his glory. And you're going to get to the point eventually. Believe it. You're going to get to the point, beloved. There's going to come a time where we're going to be able to see God's face with no veil. We're going to be able to see God's face with no no hindrance. We're going to be able to see his face. Talk with him as a friend. But you can start talking to God now without seeing his face. I'm going to close with this last story. There's a story of this little girl who had a tragic experience in her life. Uh, This was during the time of World War II. And during World War II, there were bombs that were going off in London. And she was there. And unfortunately, there was an incident where a bomb went off and it killed her two brothers and and her mother. This little girl, poor little girl. She had hope in her father. Her father was still there. And the bombs were going off and her father decided, you know, we got, we got, I got to do something about this. I got to take care of my little daughter. So what he decides to do is he takes his daughter and he finds the nearest bomb shelter. He goes into that bomb shelter, he closes the door and he's holding the daughter. And he says to the daughter, daughter, don't, don't be afraid because the daughter was shaking in, in his hands. She was afraid and she constantly told, Daddy, Daddy, what's going to happen? Are we going to die? The bombs seem to be coming close. Dad, I'm so scared. Hold me, hold me. And the dad, sure enough, held and embraced the daughter, was rocking her, was trying to do all that he possibly can to keep her comforted. There was another day where they were in that same shelter and same thing happened. The bombs were going off and the bombs just seemed to kept coming closer and closer. And she was there. She was crying and, 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 and just, just in so much fear, looking in the face of her dad and saying, Dad, I'm so scared. I don't know what to do. And the dad responds by saying, Hey, daughter, don't worry. Don't be afraid. Just go to sleep. Go to sleep. And the father looks in the father's eyes or the daughter looks into the father's eyes. She says, Dad, but I, I can't just sleep like this. Dad, just... Will you just look at me the whole time? Dad, will you just keep your face before my face? If you can just do that for me, Dad, I'll fall asleep. What a beautiful story. They survived. You know, friends, we are, I believe we are coming close to the soon coming of Jesus. The signs are so prominent. It is as though though rocks are crying out almost that, listen, God, Jesus is coming soon. We we know that, that the signs of the times around us, things are wrapping up. The crisis is about to take place. But we ought not fear, beloved, because God wants to show his face. We are that like that little little girl, a little scared, just afraid of what the, what's, what's, what's going to happen. But if we just keep our eyes focused on Jesus' face, I believe we'll find all the peace and comfort that we need. And just as that father was able to take care of his daughter, to be able to keep her safe, so will God keep you safe through these times. And beloved, if, if all we do is spend more time with Jesus... There's going to come a time when Jesus comes back that second time and you will be able to see his face. You will be able to be with him for all eternity. Is that your desire? Do you want to see his face? If you want to see his face, beloved, my challenge for you is to spend more time in his word. Spend more time in praying. Spend more time in communion with him just like Moses did. And beloved, if you just take glimpses of his glory, there will come a time 
where you will not only just be receiving glimpses of his glory, but you will reflect his glory as well. And people will see that glory and will desire Jesus as well. Amen? Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Shall we all stand? And uh, let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, you are so good to us. Even though when you look upon us, you may see sinful human beings, people who have addictions, people who have obsessions to the things of this world. You look at us just like you saw Moses. That even though you see our wretchedness, Father, you see that there is potential. You see that there can be a a transformation, a conversion experience that can happen among us. And so I want to pray in a special way, Father, for all my dear friends that have responded to wanting to seek your face, to wanting to take the challenge to behold of your glory on a day-to-day basis. I pray that you would help them. And I pray that you would rebuke the devil in their lives, that you would keep the distractions away, Father, and that you would help them to be able to focus on you to be able to have those moments in the morning where they can be still and know that you are God. And so, Father, I pray that you please help all of us. I I need help just like anyone else. But, Father, we desire to behold of your glory. We desire one day to be able to see your face with our very own eye. And the promise is there. You never take back your promises, Father. We know that, that the day will come. But just like that little girl looked at the father's face until she slept, I pray that we would keep our eyes focused on your face. This is my prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www dot audioverse dot org.